Please stay tuned after today's episode for an after show presented by Fifth and Mission sponsor, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. The pandemic has only magnified long-standing racial and economic inequities within our housing system. Learn about the Home Key program, an innovative effort that's addressing housing insecurity and homelessness in the Bay Area and around the state at homekey.hcd.ca.gov. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fit the Mission. It's been cold in the Bay Area lately, and as we head into the holiday season, it's prompting me, as always, to consider the experiences of those who are unhoused. Earlier this year, the Chronicle Newsroom published its annual homeless project, which looked at the homelessness crisis in Oakland. From 2017 to 2019, the number of unhoused people in the city rose by 47 percent, the worst jump in the Bay Area. This year's Homeless Project spotlighted unhoused residents who had good jobs and deep roots in the community. They even owned homes, but they ended up losing their housing. In November, I hosted a Chronicle Live virtual event that discussed the reporting project. It also featured a panel moderated by Chronicle reporter Kevin Fagan that included Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff and two housing experts, All Home founder and CEO Tamika Moss and Everyone Home Executive Director Chelsea Andrews. In today's episode, we're sharing that virtual conversation. Our guests discuss how Oakland has addressed its homelessness crisis, as well as their ideas for both immediate and long-term solutions. The conversation has been edited for length and clarity, and it begins with a central theme that was highlighted by the reporting in the Chronicle's Homeless Project. Many unhoused residents are over the age of 50. Here's Chronicle reporter Kevin Fagan in conversation with Mayor Libby Schaff and housing experts Tamika Moss and Chelsea Andrews. Now, one, one thing, Tamika, that I know you've looked at uh, pretty closely is, is aging. That was another thing that I, I thought was important for us to look at in this series. People over 50 hitting the streets is, is becoming a growing phenomenon. I think a nearly half of the people over 50 who are, who are homeless now became homeless after 50. Tell me a little bit why that is, Tamika? I think that there are a couple of challenges um, with the with the growing population of of elders and and seniors in our on our streets. First of all, it is poverty induced homelessness. That that is full stop. A lot of what we are seeing across the entire Bay Area. I also think that there's a challenge in terms of folks who are on fixed incomes being able to afford increasing rents. So I think we have to recognize that our seniors are vulnerable to the the externalities that are happening um, more broadly in terms of the housing costs, as well as um, the, the fact that their incomes are often flat. The other thing we're seeing is a lot of our seniors who are already housed are in fact having increases even in affordable housing and not being able to meet that increase. So they are now, you know, we kind of thought they were taken care of. They've been in supportive housing and and cool. We now see those folks needing additional support as well. So I think there's a lot going on and there's a confluence of things happening for our aging population um, that we have to pay attention to. Around the same time of this Chronicle Live conversation, Mayor Schaff announced a new shallow subsidy program in Oakland that would send monthly payments to households at risk of losing their housing. 
The program identifies eligible participants through Keep Oakland Housed. That's the city's pilot program, which provides emergency rent aid. Here's Kevin Fagan asking the mayor to discuss her new initiative. Mayor, you've come up with the shallow subsidies. I was going to bring that up. And the basic income help for for lower income folks. Uh, it, it it only costs four to seven thousand dollars a year to to help someone stay housed when they're in an emergency. That's what we found from Keep Oakland Housed. I mean the and and let's that's a monetary cost. Let's talk about the health cost, the mental cost, the chronic stress of ever having to experience homelessness. No one should have to ever experience it. And I want to acknowledge that five years ago, uh, while we were cooking up Keep Oakland Housed, mm -hmm. there was no homelessness prevention initiative in the Bay Area. It, it didn't exist. No. And, and to really dig into how do we prevent it? What are the risk factors? And um, I, you know, my favorite story from Keep Oakland House also highlights uh, this need of flexibility and recognizing that homelessness or housing insecurity is not monolithic. Um, one of the first families we helped uh, was a developmentally disabled adult who was the caretaker for his very elderly mother. And he had lost his job because the washing machine broke and he was unable to keep his uniform clean to maintain his employment. So when Keep Oakland House came along, it provides three things, uh, legal assistance for people facing evictions, uh, case management, and one-time monetary assistance. But that monetary assistance wasn't just to pay off the rent owed and the bills that were due, but to buy them a new washing machine so he could go back to work and maintain that income. I just think, you know, that's a good example also about why we need something like guaranteed income. There are no washing machine programs in the federal government. We need flexibility and we also need to meet this problem at scale. Kevin, I got to just intersect one other, um, you know, data point. Uh, Diane Yentl of the National Low Income Housing Coalition uh, said, you know, back in the late 70s, the modern phenomenon of homelessness didn't exist. And really, the biggest thing that has changed between now and then is federal subsidies. Yeah. Uh, when you adjust for inflation, the federal government, uh, the, the spending authorization is one third of what it was during the late 70s when homelessness was very minimal. Uh, when you look at housing choice vouchers, which essentially is a, you know, a less shallow subsidy, a, a rental subsidy, which is what we're piloting in Oakland. Uh, only 13% of Californians who qualify for a housing choice voucher actually get one. And we don't make poor people enter an inhumane, torturous lottery to get food stamps or medical care. But we do that for housing, a basic human need. It is abhorrent and it really has to be changed at the federal level. Next, the group discussed the role of the federal government in addressing the homelessness problem in Oakland. For Mayor Schaff, that means understanding the limitations of local governments. Well, given that I do not see a love fest happening between the right and the left anytime soon on Capitol Hill, what would you say the, the first thing the, the most important thing for the feds to do is right now to address this problem in Oakland, in Oakland itself. Well, my dream is universal housing choice vouchers. 
Uh, like I said, it should not be an inhumane lottery. People who qualify for that benefit should get it. And I want to give you a little bipartisan hope. Um, I am part of the Big 13 or the, the big city mayors of California. We are bipartisan and we all agree homelessness is the number one issue for California. And we marched in unity to Sacramento to not only ask for huge increases. I mean, we were the ones that really created the HAP funding, which is very mm -hmm. flexible funding mm -hmm. for homelessness. And not only does it go to COCs or continuums of care like Chelsea runs uh, to the counties, which, you know, you all get confused because you're used to covering San Francisco. San Francisco is different in that it's a city, a county and a continuum of care bundled into one. Uh, we were the ones that actually got the state to start putting some money directly into the big cities where we um, are nimble, we're fast, we are feet are to the fire, we're willing to take some risks. And I think you're seeing some rewards from that. Tamika, what would you, how would you spur the feds into helping on this thing? Well, you know, we worked really hard in our advocacy efforts to uh, encourage the federal government to see housing as infrastructure. The feds got out of the business of housing in the 80s. Uh, state yeah. redevelopment went away in the state of California in 2012. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we absolutely saw a decline in housing uh, supply over the last three decades. There's no way that we can solve this problem. The the, the solution to homelessness is housing. And mm -hmm. unless we are collectively at working toward getting enough housing in our communities, we are going to fall short. We are gonna to continue to see our neighbors suffering. And so my call to the federal government is not only the, the one-time stimulus packages, the Build Back Better is amazing. We need ongoing commitment from every uh, national department, not just HUD, Health and Human Services, the Department yep. of Transportation, everyone should be seeing homelessness and our housing crisis as their most urgent priority. And then being creative about revenue streams that help jurisdictions not have to do self-help measures like we did in Oakland, like they do in San Jose and San Mateo County and Solano County, trying to piecemeal solutions. We need a wholehearted, full continuum of support from the federal government. I want to remind people also that the federal government is the only layer of government that can create an entitlement or that can make mm -hmm. a universal commitment. Uh, the rest of us have to balance our budgets every year. We cannot make a universal commitment, but the federal government can. They get a credit card and the rest of us don't. We'll have more of this Chronicle Live conversation after a quick break. The panelists will talk about what the community can expect in 2022. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support this show and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Home is where life happens and futures begin. Enterprise Community Partners is working with the state of California to ensure families and individuals have access to affordable homes in communities filled with the opportunity for a good life, providing solutions, capital, and policy interventions in response to the housing crisis. Join them at enterprisecommunity.org forward slash home key. 
Welcome back to Fifth Emission. Let's get back to our Chronicle Live conversation about homelessness in Oakland, recorded on November 18th. Chelsea, the um, your your organization is in charge of the point in time counts, which, as we know, are imperfect, but they are a, a yardstick. Uh, what do you see coming forth in this next count that's coming up in January? Because we had to miss a year because of COVID. Up ahead. Yeah, well, thanks for asking. The, the one thing I want to say is that this count counts more than any count before it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I'll repeat that this count counts more than any count before it. And the reason why it is important is not only because of the lapse of time in which we've been able to do the count, but all of the different change in circumstances. So already we've seen an increase, even though we haven't done the count um, of over 14% increase of individuals who are touching our system. That doesn't include people who are unsheltered, right? Mm -hmm. We're also seeing a difference in terms of the length of stay in, um, in a shelter. So there's so many varying factors. Um, of course, we anticipate seeing an increase in homelessness because of what we've all experienced over the last year and a half. Um, but I also am hopeful that we'll gain some additional insight in regards to how our services were deployed, what has worked. Um, there has definitely been some wonderful silver linings um, in regards to how our community and the county, the city have been able to work together with Project Home Base and um, all of these other aspects in terms of getting out these vouchers. But what I will say is that this um, this count, we're having to do it a little differently, having to take into consideration, hmm. of course, um, safety precautions. Um, we have still a large number of people interested in supporting this count. It will be on January 25th um, and rain, shine, snow, sleep. <laughs> although that's unlikely, but we will be there and we will be um, doing our due diligence to get this count right. And I'm um, looking forward to reporting out and um, learning from um, what the count shows us and what we need to do moving forward. Yeah. Uh, actually, we have to take a couple of questions from the, um, from the general public right now that came in. And, and one of them is, uh, how do you bring down the costs of affordable housing, which is huge, but what's the elevator pitch? Chelsea, what do you, what do you say? Right, right. So you you do that through um, tax credits. You do that through bonds. You do that through innovating um, and creating private-public partnerships. You do that through the um, project-based vouchers that um, Mayor Schaaf spoke about. Um, and ultimately, um, work together really to create a scenario in which you're able to layer subsidies because it's very complicated and lengthy in terms of financing um, construction with affordable housing units. Mm -hmm. You also do that through getting cities on board in terms of requiring a certain amount of affordable housing for development projects to move forward. And last but not least, you also have to have the public will because even when developers are willing to build affordable housing, if the community pushes back, files lawsuits, creates challenges with moving forward, then we're stuck in the mud, right? And so it really requires the combination because you can get the developers, you can get the tax credits, you can get all the way almost to the goal and mm -hmm. then have a huge lawsuit and take another 10 years yeah. to get through that to build the, the affordable unit. You know, from the bottom up construction, these conversions of existing buildings uh, is, is a huge cost and time saver. Uh, Project Home Key, the first round, from the day we learned about the funding to the day that we had 184 units of housing actually occupied, households with a roof over their permanent affordable housing 
roof over their head for the first time in years was six months. And that was not only using uh, existing building, but we actually got an exemption from the environmental regulations. Um, so that that has been a huge cost saver when you've got infill development in a city that's low income and serving the homeless. Um, mm -hmm. One, it it takes uh, the NIMBY uh, tool of CEQA lawsuits away, but it also saves a lot of time and money. You know, I would only add that being um, creative about different building typologies is is also has to be a part of our long-term goal. Um, you know, construction costs are often driven by market. And so a slab of wood is going to cost the same for a market rate unit as it will an affordable unit. Right. So unless we think about modular more, um, more broadly, and frankly, thinking about scaling, what is the financing strategies we need to be doing? How do we use project-based vouchers to actually cover operations costs? So I think we just have to get in the business of recognizing that we have a goal. We know that we want to bring as many of our unhoused neighbors indoors as quickly as possible. Let the gates open. Mm -hmm. Use Home Key as the example of how quickly, when we put political will with um, public safety and resources, bam, 15,000 people housed over, the, over in nine months. The last question of this virtual conversation was about predictions for the next year. Chronicle reporter Kevin Fagan asks the panelists if the community will see changes on the streets of Oakland in 2022. Do you think people are going to see a difference in a year? Kevin, I wish the answer was yes. I'm, I'm worried that probably the best we can do is not see any more increases. Mm -hmm. um, one thing you will definitely see in that point in time count is that since the last point in time count, we have probably tripled, tripled our shelter system. Yeah. Uh, the last point in time count had just a little over 800 people in shelter. And mm -hmm. now with the, the uh, FEMA supported hotels, that's close to 2,400 beds now when you look at the safe RVs, et cetera. Um, I, I, I'm hoping people are going to feel a difference. One of our biggest accomplishments is something that no one can see, which is the prevention of new people becoming homeless. Yeah. Uh, even if no one can see that, I believe we all deserve to be very proud of that because honestly, that's the biggest accomplishment of all. And one of the most unacknowledged ones. Tam Tamika, what do you think? Are we going to see a difference in a year around the region and in Oakland, but around the region? Well, I mean, I, I think what the mayor articulated is right. Uh, we didn't get into this, this crisis overnight. It's mm -hmm. going to be really difficult to um, get out of it in a year. But I think what we're doing is we're, we know how to house people. We house thousands of households every year. We know how to do it. What we now have to do is scale the interventions that work. We need to have accountability in how we are responding with urgency, all levels of government, getting in into the game of reducing un unsheltered homelessness across our region. We have to keep um, folks accountable to this is the crisis, this is the social challenge of, of our time. And if we can't get this right, what are we doing? So I think that momentum is visceral and I think Oaklanders feel that. I feel it as, as an Oaklander. And mm -hmm. so I know that that's only gonna get stronger 
as we continue to do the work. That was an edited conversation that took place at a Chronicle Live virtual event on November 18th. It featured Chronicle reporter Kevin Fagan, Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff, and housing advocates Tamika Moss and Chelsea Andrews. To read this year's Chronicle Homeless Project, which spotlighted Oakland homelessness, visit sfchronicle.com slash homeless hyphen Oakland. If you want to learn more about Chronicle live events, visit sfchronicle.com slash membership. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. Welcome! This After Show of Fifth Admission is supported by the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. Each After Show will spotlight vital conversations with community leaders and nonprofit organizations who are removing barriers to help create a more socially, economically, and racially just Bay Area. To learn more, please visit sfchronicle.com slash housing access. I'm Sharice Morrison, and today I'm so happy to welcome two very important guests that are partnering together on a new housing development for the Kashaya Band of Pomo Indians of Stewart's Point Rancheria in Sonoma County. This is just one of the ways Home Key is breaking new ground to support communities through the pandemic and beyond and creating new sustainable models for accessible and equitable housing for communities across the state of California. The first person I'd like to welcome is Chairman Dino Franklin, the current elected leader and tribal chairman of the Kashaya Band of Pomo Indians of the Stewart's Point Rancheria. And also joining us today is Efren Carrillo, Vice President of Real Estate Development at Burbank Housing. I'd just like to say welcome. It's so great to have both of you here today. Thank you. Most definitely. For everyone joining us, let's start by hearing from you, Chairman Franklin, about efforts within your community to create more access to housing. Sure. So I believe the efforts that we're making here with the the Home Key Grant and uh, providing the housing for tribal members, our own and others in the county, to have adequate housing needs met, services brought to them rather than them having to go out and look for services. Our plans are that this will be transitional. Not only will it put a a roof over their head in the short term, but hopefully working for them to do long-term planning. You know, the Kashai have been blessed with staff member Raymond McQuillan, who's a Yurok tribal member working for us that has really brought housing to the forefront for our tribe. And, you know, to look at how we have very little buildable land up at our rancheria and to look into doing more work with finding housing for our tribal members within metropolitan urban areas such as Santa Rosa and the Sonoma County area. It's been very important for us to look into getting more access to housing. Efren, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the Home Key program, what it is and how it's meeting the needs of the community. Sure, absolutely. I do want to talk about just the the housing inequities that you have across the board that are really impacting tribal communities uh, more uh, more directly than 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 other populations, and that's true for Sonoma County, North Bay. We're seeing you know housing cost, uh, you know median average home cost at eight hundred thousand dollars, and median rents uh, hovering uh, over fourteen hundred dollars for two bedroom apartments. And it really is, uh, you know, communities that are disadvantaged and historically have been ignored that feel the biggest brunt of it, uh, many of those being tribal members throughout the state and Kashaya feeling it very directly. And, you know, just building on 
<clears throat> what uh, Mr. Carrillo is saying is I would be amiss if I didn't bring up that tribes or tribal efforts should be more so at the forefront. We are the First Nations people. We are the indigenous folks of these lands. And often programs, especially ones that come through the state, they were overlooked and were missed as being a special population. It's often that we're just included into all the numbers. Um, but then when it comes to actually divvying out that funding, tribes are missed. So this is a historic in the sense that California uh, has seen the need to include tribes into this type of funding, the home key, which we're really grateful for that hopefully we set the bar high for the state to start looking at tribes as being partners when it comes to battling anything, homelessness, obviously the pandemic, uh, through our health centers, anything and everything, that they see the tribes as partners more so today than they have before. The Home Key program was actually implemented um, uh, right immediately following Project Room Key, which was uh, implemented during the height of the pandemic to provide shelter for those infected with COVID-19 and homeless individuals most at risk of becoming infected. It was very successful, and it demonstrated the immense promise in securing units. There came Home Key, and Home Key was the realization of the potential for acquiring and converting properties into permanent housing. While Project Room Key, its earlier um, iteration focused on immediate shelter needs, Home Key was really focused on permanent housing. So Burbank Housing partnered with the Kashaya Tribe to apply and receive funds from the Home Key program. Uh, Burbank is currently acting as a consulting developer with the tribe, utilizing our expertise in acquisition, development, and management to support the tribe who is the lead developer and owner. So HomeKey is a rather unique approach to have a state partner in housing and community development driven through Governor Newsom, a local tribal entity, enterprise community partners to award funds for services that were provided by philanthropy, and a local nonprofit affordable developer like Burbank Housing to carry out that vision. I think it's the, really the, the, the true nexus between state uh, a local government, a local tribe, and a nonprofit affordable developer that can make uh, this vision uh, be put into action. Chairman Franklin, I know you mentioned that this was a first-of-its-kind partnership. So Kashaya came into partnership with uh, Burbank Housing when we sought out a project in the town of Windsor to do multiple-family uh, multiple housing units. Um, for affordable housing. Uh, Burbank brings a real expertise to the tribe in having had um, done these types of projects um, before throughout the county. However, working with the tribe on a tribal project for the first time um, has really made it historic in the sense that um, Burbank is now opening their doors to working with more tribes, where and tribes are looking to uh, non uh, tribal agencies to help them uh, gain access to um, housing such as this. Mr. Chairman, yeah, I think it'd be a good opportunity to uh, recognize that in the governor's announcement, um, the tribe was the first mm. uh, applicant and uh, receiver of home key funds uh, as a tribal entity. You know, other jurisdictions, city, county, 
housing authorities had also applied, but it was really the Kashaya tribe. Mm-hmm. It was the first tribe in the state of California to apply for and receive home key funding. So along with the expertise of Burbank Housing and our housing director, Raymond McQuillan, um, Kashaya was the first tribe to be awarded this funding. And I believe it has a, um, a great deal to do with uh, the partnership we have with uh, Burbank Housing. So f- being able to uh, have uh, the relationship with Burbank Housing um, and working with uh, two separate cities such as Windsor and Santa Rosa, the impact uh, on the tribe is that it's making us a player in the county, finally. Not all natives uh, need land for economic development. We're actually using it for uh, the benefit of our tribal members. Uh, I think one of the biggest impacts is for the first time the tribe didn't have to rely on federal monies, but we were able to um, adequately connect with the state and local partners to make uh, this happen for our people. Efren, you've gotten to know members of the Kashaya Band of Pomo Indians and the unique housing challenges facing the tribe. From your perspective, what are you seeing? You know, in this particular case here, you've got a full conversion of an existing motel into permanent housing for the tribe. You've got, uh, you know, individuals that are already part of your homeless housing program, as I understand it, currently renting motel rooms that will be housed at uh, Project Home Key Site. You've got, uh, you know, individuals that will be receiving health services through the County Indian Health Project. And, you know, once completed, I think, as you've already addressed, You've got ongoing on-site services that will be provided. Um, you know, this is all unique. I mean, it's, uh, you know, kind of started with the, with the CARES Act coming through the federal government, supported or supplanted by the state through, you know, some of their uh, investments through the budget process. And, you know, the eventual outcome is, a, is a, a pretty remarkable opportunity for people to be housed in a quality, uh, affordable place with, uh, with services. While HomeKey uh, generated the vision to address homelessness at the state level, it's really local entities like the Kashaya and Burbank who can put that vision into action and house members of our community. And as I think we all know, the pandemic has unfortunately demonstrated the real racial and economic disparities and inequities, especially among our members of our tribal communities. And you know, HomeKey begins to address those inequities head on and it's uh, entities like the Kashaya Band of Pomo Indians who have taken action and have said that uh, you know they're ready and able to uh, serve uh, members of their community in the most meaningful way possible, and that's in providing housing. What do you think makes this partnership so unique? I think you know when we're talking about what makes this partnership so unique, it's really a partnership that's built on trust. Um, we have a shared vision. I believe whether it's tribal, non-tribal, the goal is to provide housing and affordable housing. And But in this particular case, being home key, providing housing to our homeless population in the Native American community, all of this was built on trust and relationship. And that goes both ways. I believe they, they know we're going to stand by Burbank and we're going to continue Um, moving down the road with uh, other projects as well. Hopefully that, you know, our journey is not um, a short-term journey, but a long-term journey. And I believe that's something that 
both of us share that vision is we're not in it for, I believe uh, Mr. Carrillo said it earlier, it's not a one and done. It's to do more and more as much as we could possibly do. So non-Native and Native agencies working together uh, for the same vision. You don't tend to see collaborations or partnerships like this uh, actually have uh, successful outcomes. And what we're seeing is that it's uh, these collaborations or partnerships are going to be necessary to uh, ensure that we provide secure, adequate, and affordable housing across the board. How do you see this program serving community needs in the long term? So Future is looking at, you know, not only providing place where we could uh, work on housing and services, but more importantly, culturally appropriate services. Um, that's important because, again, we know what works for our people, and we hope that we're able to bring those types of services that actually work for our people. Cherise, on, on, on the point with, with, the, with the state, you know, the state of California has finally recognized that it needs tribal partners and tribal entities to carry out its long-term vision on housing and homelessness. It cannot achieve its goals if it does not incorporate tribal leaders and tribal organizations to actually carry out those. And it's, uh, it's an important uh, uh, new day, uh, we think, for the state that it recognizes that local governments, cities, counties, and tribal entities are key to alleviating the pressures on housing and housing affordability. Yeah, I think um, the biggest part of all this will be when the Kashaya community could come together and we could celebrate the final opening of our home key project. I'm more than positive that it will be a day where we will come together with song and dance and a blessing over the land. We really want to cover that place with what we call in a good way, as how we walk with our lives in a good way, bringing in all the Creator's blessings to make it a successful place where our folks could come and feel like change is about to happen. So I, I'm looking forward to the day that we cut the ribbon on the opening and our first tribal members are moved into their newly renovated apartments and looking forward to the first day that we actually uh, are bringing our service providers in there. And um, I believe uh, that's going to be a good day for Kashaya. Thank you for taking the time to share about the great work you're both doing. No, thank you for having us, Sharice. It's uh, a pleasure to be able to speak on um, such important matters and just to have a voice out there. And thank you for providing that um, vehicle for us to have a voice. And, and you know, Kashai is blessed. We're blessed to have good partners, blessed to be here today. Um, just looking forward to the future and everything uh, that it has in store for us through uh, this home key project and the planning that um, has been done around it. And I'd like to echo those sentiments. Uh, you know, we're grateful for the partnership with the Kashaya. We're grateful for the support from the state through HCD and home key funding. We're also grateful for the city of Santa Rosa and, you know, ensuring that our uh, building permits are pulled. And, you know, I just want to thank, uh, thank the listeners and thank folks that support housing and that stand up and are a vocal voice uh, for housing uh, developments and particularly homeless housing. Not everyone uh, is supportive, and those folks that are supportive, we're certainly thankful for. 
As you heard, the HomeKey program is breaking new ground in California in what is a unique partnership between the Kashaya Band of Pomo Indians of the Stewart's Point Rancheria and Burbank Housing. Community-driven solutions to the housing affordability and homelessness crisis, like the Home Key program, play an important role in addressing the systemic inequities within the housing system. While the Kashaya Band of Pomo Indians were the first Native American tribe in California to receive Home Key funding, the housing development can serve as a model for future Home Key project sites. For more information about the Home Key program, please visit homekey.hcd.ca.gov. This podcast is in partnership with the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative and the Hearst Story Studio, recorded at Skyline Studios in Oakland, California.